Would you turn in your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 1? Just stay there if you don't mind, and we're going to explore some passage in Acts chapter 1, and then we'll move over to Acts chapter 2, and uh, we'll use some of that as well. When I start smelling the food from downstairs, I'll know it's time to wrap it up. If not, Francis, give me the signal, right, to say, knock it out. Thank you, Francis. No, we got a signal going on. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? God is good. God is good. A couple weeks from now, let's say next Sunday morning, uh, towards the end of the service, uh, we'll have, have normal worship service and we'll preach. We may change the order just a bit, but at the very end, we'll be having a baptismal service. And I think at this point, there will be four who are being baptized. But if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and the Lord is dealing with you to follow him in obedience in water baptism, then I encourage you, let me know uh, early this week, and we can add you to the list. Baptism is a beautiful thing, isn't it? But baptism doesn't save us, but it's a natural response after we have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And he's done that inward work on the inside. Then we follow him in baptism to show a testimony to this world that we have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Isn't that wonderful? So if you need to follow the Lord in the ordinance of baptism, let us know and we'll put you on the list and we'll be glad to have you as part of the baptismal service towards the end of service next Sunday morning. And then the following Sunday is our Vision Sunday. And uh, we'll celebrate heritage and we'll cast a vision and we'll have a cookout and bounce houses and t-shirts to wear. And if you haven't ordered your t-shirts, there'll be more on hand that day as we'll be casting our new vision and giving our, our motto as God propels us into the future. That would be a great day, an excellent day to invite friends and family to come and be with us. And let's just fill the house with people that day and pray, be mindful of that. Would you turn to Acts chapter one, hang there. And I'm preaching a message this morning that I titled copy and paste copied and pasted. We're in the sixth week of our seven-week series. Next week will be the last sermon of this sermon series, and the sermon series has been titled Live and Let Live. And what I have attempted to do was take the seven characteristics that a biologist, someone who studies life, human life, and even animal life, they study life, and they have narrowed it down that if there are these seven characteristics present in something, then they declare that that something or some body is alive. And so we have taken those seven characteristics and we have taken them and, and um, used a spiritual connotation and a biblical connotation with each of those characteristics. And all along the way, we have been asking ourselves this question, am I alive in Christ? And another question we have endeavored to ask would be this, is my Christian life fully alive? Is my Christian life a vibrant life? And if not, if you answered no to either of those questions, I believe that the Holy Spirit can touch us this morning and cause us to become alive in Christ and not just barely living spiritually speaking, but we can be fully alive. We can be fully alive in Christ. And so today's sermon, copy and paste. And the characteristic that I wanted us to look at this morning is everything that is considered to be alive has the ability to reproduce. And today I want to preach to us about 
our ability to not only reproduce, but first and foremost, to allow God to reproduce into us his DNA and his power and his characteristics. But then it needs to go beyond just him reproducing himself into us and making us godly and making us Christ-like. But then we should be agents and conduits of reproduction in the world around us and spreading Christianity and spreading godliness all around the world. I'm glad that this church partners with people like Pastor Jay who is and Cece who are over... Seas now are on their way to be missionaries around this world. I'm glad that our church, every week, monies come in for world missions or home missions. Can I tell you that the gospel is bigger than just this area? But our church partners, and, and, and because of that, the gospel is spread around the world, and we are a part of what God is doing in the world. But to reproduce, I looked it up, to reproduce is to produce again or produce a copy of or create something similar to. Now think about that as we, as we preach this morning and, and what needs to be reproduced in our lives, in our church, in our world. And if you don't mind to look with me to Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And that's where we'll begin our text. But hang there, we may come back to to different passages, and I think they're going to put it up on the screen, and I asked them to use a, uh, the New Living Translation this morning of Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. I, I love the King James and the New King James, and that's what I typically preach out of, but I like how it was worded uh, in, in this translation, and I wanted to use it this morning. Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 1, it says, In my first book, I told you... Theophilus. Theophilus was, was, it means God lover. It could have been a, or lover of God. It could have been a, a specific person. It may have been a group of people or churches or a congregation that, that uh, Luke, who wrote this book, knew that they loved God. But, but Luke is writing here, I told you in my first book, his first book was the Gospel of Luke, where he recorded the, the workings and the miracles and the life of Jesus Christ. But then Luke, who was a physician, very detailed, very educated, very precise, he wanted to write a, a second book that became known as the Acts. And, and it segues beautifully. If you read Luke, you see everything that Jesus did in his earthly ministry. But then you see in Acts, you see how all that began to be reproduced in the life of the new Christians as the gospel spread throughout the known world and all around the world. He said, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after he had given his apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. The King James Version said he commanded them. He gave them instructions. He told them what to do. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus indeed rose from the dead. Now, that'd be a good place to say amen right there. Jesus rose from the dead. That is why we are here this morning. We know that we have a risen, glorious, risen Savior. 
And in the 40 days that he remained upon his earth, he appeared to his disciples at strategic times and in strategic ways to talk to them and instruct them. Now, if you know, you know, there are different people who come and talk to us and, and sometimes we chew the fat. Have you ever chewed the fat? And sometimes we just kind of, we joke around and we, we just have light conversation. But there are those types of people who are almost always on task and on point and on business. And if they call you up or if they come by to talk to you, they always have a strategic reason. They take care of business and then they're gone. Do you know some of those people? And then we're somewhere in the middle. I'm probably somewhere in the middle. But Jesus didn't just appear to them just to fellowship or just to chew the fat or just to make them feel good. Jesus appeared to them many times and he did three things during these times that he appeared to them in the 40 days after his resurrection. One, he proved to them in many ways that he was alive. And can I tell you that these apostles had no doubt that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead because most of them gave their lives as martyrs for the sake of the gospel. I wouldn't give my life for something I didn't believe in. I wouldn't give my life for something that I was a little doubtful about, but they had no doubt because they had seen the risen Christ. They had touched the risen Christ. And he proved to them in many ways, in many infallible ways, one translation says, that he was alive. Secondly, he talked to them about the kingdom. He taught them more. If, if I had just seen Jesus again after the resurrection, I believe I would be very, very interested in learning more about the kingdom. I believe they were students. I believe they were sponges. And I believe they learned that all the things that Jesus wanted them to know so that they could go then, and here it is, and reproduce. And thirdly, he gave them further instructions. Let's look at the first thing he instructed them to do. Look back down at verse four. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem or, or tarry in Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he has promised, as I have told you before. When we think about who planned the outpouring that we see in Acts 1 and Acts 2, it was a God thing. No man engineered the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. No, it was something that God had planned many, many generations before, even prophesied by the prophet Joel. And Jesus had told them many times and in many ways as he walked with them, he said, when the spirit of truth shall come. Who is the spirit of truth? The Holy Spirit. He told them when the comforter comes. Who is the comforter? The Holy Spirit. And so Jesus says right here, I have told you many times that he is going to come. And let me tell you, he is a he and not a it. He is fully alive and fully a person. And Jesus said when he, the Holy Spirit comes, just like I have been telling you, he's coming. And so now it was getting close. He gives them further instructions here in verse four. He says, I'm getting ready to be ascended to the father. And in fact, this was really the very last instruction he gave to them. And then they watched him as he ascended 
to the Father. But before he left, he left them a promise. He said, if you will tarry in the city of Jerusalem, I'm going to ascend to the Father, but the Father is going to send you a gift, the Holy Spirit who will abide with you forever. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he has promised. As I told you before, look at verse 5. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And Jesus says to them, basically, listen, I'm not worried so much about the political kingdom. I'm not so worried. Israel was other, under Rome and, and they were not their own sovereign power anymore. But Jesus said, I'm not worried about all of that. My timing right now is I want to reproduce something in you that is greater than any political power or any country or any government. I want to pour out the Holy Spirit upon you. I believe that'll preach to us this morning. I believe that we can look back to this account and if they'll hit that second slide for me, we can look back to this account in Acts 1 and Acts 2 and we can realize, if I can say it in a modern way, our file has already been sent. Anybody work in an office? Anybody work on computers and email and and all these wonderful things? Don't you love it when you just sit down at the computer and it just starts spinning? But we get so frustrated. But I want to tell you this morning that just like electronically, our files can be sent and are sent most of the time in a matter of moments. God has already downloaded his file to this world. He has sent his power and his presence to reproduce and communicate to us and through us something great. Look at that picture. I don't know. Can you see the scribe on the on the left side? I want to ask you a few questions here. Have you ever written a letter and like put a stamp on it and actually mailed it? Anybody ever done that in the olden days? (laughs) Now we use email and we get frustrated if that email doesn't go immediately. I'm telling you, if it spins for 30 seconds, we get frustrated. But back in the olden days, We would write a letter. I didn't. I wasn't that old. Uh, You would write a letter, (laughs) put a stamp on it, and wait days for it to be delivered. Have you ever passed a note in class? I've been guilty of of that maybe a few times when I was growing up. You ever passed a note? I don't think they pass notes in class anymore. They just text. They just text. Things have changed. The the technology has been accelerated. Do you remember the olden days where I might come back there and take a picture of of, uh, some of you and then I would would have to go and find a a, a dark room somewhere or find a Walmart development. I don't even know what you call it. Film develop, drop off, whatever. Whatever it used to be. And you would take it and then you would wait and then you would have to wait till they developed the photo. You'd go pick up the photo to see if it was worth anything or not, and then you realize you had your finger over the lens and you took a picture of the back of your thumb. But today we pull out our cell phones 
and we take a picture and we did a little hiking yesterday and, and it doesn't matter. I took about 15 pictures of the same pose. It doesn't matter. It's just unlimited reproduction of, of images, unlimited reproduction of, of writing. And we, we live in such a different world. Now we can even, I've never done this and I don't know if I ever will do this, but we could even snap chat somebody. Can you believe it? But far gone are the days of, of when a scribe, if you see that person there on the left or right or whichever side, it's where the person is. If you see that person, and gone are the days when a monk in a monastery would have to sit and painstakingly write and rewrite the scriptures and write and rewrite and reproduce. But now reproduction of documents and reproduction of, of images happens instantaneously. But can I tell you, spiritually speaking, we have reached the time where God still pours out his spirit and he does it quickly if we want him to. He's a very present help in the time of trouble. And on the day of Pentecost, there was a shifting. We have seen a technological shifting in our generations. But on the day of Pentecost, we saw a shifting where God's presence became accessible and will abide with God's people. You see, we have gone so far that even a secretary typing on an old typewriter to reproduce a document or even on a, on a computer is almost obsolete. Fax machines and copy machines are almost obsolete because now all you have to do is pull up the document and send it. It's amazing. But how much more amazing is our access to the presence of God that has changed as we saw it here in Acts chapters 1 and Acts chapter 2. Recently, I applied for, well, a few years ago, I applied for a mortgage. I signed most of the paperwork over my phone. Can you believe that? Accessibility is, is incredible. But spiritually speaking, God has made it so accessible for us to gain new life in Him. We don't have to wait once a year for the Day of Atonement to make things right with God. We don't have to go and offer sacrifices. God has opened up. We're living in wonderful times and wonderful days of grace that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, I want to tell you, you can come to know Him. And the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And for those of us who already know Jesus Christ, we don't have to wonder and, and live and wait and say, when will he pour out help? When will he pour out the Holy Spirit? When will he send a comforter? When will he spend the spirit of truth? He's already sent him. And he abides with us and he lives with us. And in a sense, God has already pointed and clicked and copied and pasted. So the next time you sit down at your computer like I tried to do the other day when I was doing some studying and I was trying to copy and I was trying to paste, I was trying to point and I was trying to click and I wasn't hitting the right commands and I was getting very frustrated for a moment. Then I figured it out. But the next time you sit down and you're copying and you're pasting, can I remind you, God has already reproduced. He has already sent his power to us spiritually speaking. And he did it in God's perfect timing. Look with me, please, to verse number six. God's perfect timing. Verse six said, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and to restore our 
kingdom. And they were worried about the timing. They were worried about political things and social things. And, and God was saying, listen, we, I'll take care of all of that. But right now, the time has come that I want to do something in your life. Can I tell you, if we aren't careful as individuals, we can get, I want to be careful what I say here. We need to be concerned with the world around us. We need to be concerned with our families. We need to be concerned with, with everything and, and God can use us to help. But sometimes we can get so caught up and overwhelmed that we forget that first and foremost, God wants to do something in us and refresh us and revive us and restore us so that we can reproduce something that is worth reproducing. And they were worried about all these things, but, but Jesus knew that God had set this great plan in motion called the day of Pentecost. And it was no accident that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. I was thinking about it this morning that Jesus told them to tarry. Jesus told them to wait. But Jesus could have poured out the Holy Spirit upon them right then and there. He could have poured it out right then and there, but there was timing. God is a God of timing. And he knew that if they waited and if they tarried, there was going to be this Pentecostal festival and feast and all these people from all around the world were going to be there. And so if these people from all around the world were going to be there, it was going to be the perfect time then for God to pour out his spirit and the gospel to be proclaimed and people to be saved and then take it back all around the world. You see, God is a God of timing. And you may look at me this morning and you say, well, I'm waiting for God to do something in my life, to move in my life, to work a miracle in my life, to resolve a situation. But I want to tell you that he is most interested in reproducing himself in us. So we may have to wait. We may have to tarry. That may make us stronger in him. But the timing is going to be perfect because when God moves, others are going to see God move. So don't rush your blessing. Don't, don't try to push things in our own timing. But God has a perfect timing. I want to hit very quickly three characteristics that God wants to reproduce in us as individuals and as a church this morning. One is unity. Everybody say unity. unity. You said it in unison, unity. <laughs> unity is a very important thing. I have had a shoulder dislocated. And can I tell you, as long as that shoulder was out of my body, the entire rest of my body was affected. It was affected by pain. It was my mobilization was affected. It really just paralyzed what I could do because I focused totally on that shoulder that was dislocated. It is very important when I look around this room and when I we have all these wonderful fellowship events and ministries and the things that go on here at NCOG. Can I tell you that the enemy would love nothing more than to divide us in some way, even in some small way. If I have a tire and that tire is totally blown up and the entire tire is in great quality, but there's one tiny pinhole, a place that has poured 
pulled apart, that it's not in unity with the rest of the tread, what's going to happen? The air is going to slowly come out of that tire. Can I preach proactively this morning? Can I just say that there are no problems that I know of and there's no disunity that I know of? So I'm being a proactive preacher this morning. And I'm not going to charge any extra for it. Can I tell us proactively speaking, may we do all that we can to guard our unity as a body. May we love one another. May we forgive one another. May we esteem others higher than ourselves. May we work together in cooperation. May we maintain unity. Why? Because God can bless unity. May we be unified. On the day of Pentecost, when you look at Acts chapter 2 verse 1, it said when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. They were all in one mind. They were all in one accord. They were in one place. If we want God to bless us when we assemble together and worship, may we do all that we can as individuals to focus our mind on Him and to be in one mind and in one accord because that's an environment that God can bless. When people talk about Nortonsville Church of God, I want them to talk about the love that is here. I want them to talk about the presence of God that is here. I want them to talk about the word of God that is taught and trained and preached here. But God forbid that there ever be a day when when the rumor mill is saying, well, they're having problems over there at that church. Have you ever heard that said? I want to tell you that's a terrible witness, isn't it? That's a terrible witness. That's an awful witness. We should be unified if ever there is a place where that we should model and that the world should see love and unity. It's got to be in God's house. And I believe we can do it. I believe we can stay unified. I believe that we don't have to major on the minors. And we don't have to fall out over a, a color of paint on a wall. Or just silly things that have happened in churches. We need to reproduce unity and love in this world needs to see that. I know we have that here, amen? And we're going to keep that here, amen? Why were they in one accord? Here, here's, some, here's some practical things that will help us as individuals. One, they had listened to Jesus' instructions. Many times we read the word, we hear the word, but are we really listening to those instructions? And they were trying to do what Jesus had said and not trying to chart their own course. This Bible right here gives us principles on how to live our lives. And may we follow his principles, not our own. Two, they had lingered. He told them to tarry. He said to wait. They had lingered. They hadn't lost their focus. They, they didn't become distracted by the things of this world. Let me preach right here this morning. If God starts to bless you and God starts to prosper you in a new way, don't allow that blessing to become a distraction and pull you away from God's house and God's people and the ministry that God has for you to do. We must not lose our focus. They lingered. They remained loving. They remained unified. And God poured out the Holy Spirit upon them. Let us reproduce unity. Secondly, let us reproduce ability. Now, let me be very careful here this morning. If we're not careful within the church world today, 
when I would talk about ability. Ability has become such a uh, natural thing if we're not careful in the church world. If we aren't careful, church has become a source of entertainment or a show or a production instead of a worship service to honor God. You see, we should strive to do everything decently and in order and with as much excellence as we can possibly muster. But I want to tell you that the true ability that comes up on that, that makes the difference, is the Holy Spirit anointing. And if we don't have the Holy Spirit anointing, our efforts are futile. So what do we do? We need to practice and we need to pray. We need to train and we need to tarry in his presence. And everything that we do, we need to ask God to add his extra anointing or ability upon it. You say, well, I can't do anything for God. These men, these women who tarried, they may have thought that, but when they were endued with that power from on high and that ability, they began to do things that they would have never, ever dreamed possible. And that same ability from God can come to you. That same ability from God can come to me. Look at Acts chapter one, verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the ends of the earth. Now flip over to Acts chapter two, verse two. Jesus told them, I'm gonna send you that ability. I'm gonna use you. You're gonna be my witness. I'm gonna endue you with power and the gospel is gonna spread all around the world. And then in the fullness of time, after they had tarried, we see the fulfillment of that, Acts two, two. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. Or the New Living Translation said it was like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. You've heard the wind blow through the other day, the last few months when we've had some of those storms. And that roaring of the wind. Well, the wind of the Spirit blew into that house and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And if you jump down to the last part of verse 4b and it said that they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit Holy Spirit gave them the utterance, or the New Living Translation said it this way, gave them the ability. The Holy Spirit still fills believers today. Can I get an amen this morning? And this ability to to speak in tongues came from the Holy Spirit. It didn't come from them. But the Holy Spirit came and then what happened? All of those who were around them heard the noise, heard the commotion. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the communities around Nortonsville Church of God began to hear, hey, something special is happening at 1505 Simmons Gap Road. Wouldn't that be awesome if if they heard the Holy Spirit is moving, the Spirit of God is moving, revival is coming, the Word is being proclaimed. I want to go and see what's happening. I contend, I've said it before and I'm going to just keep on saying it, there are so many people in these communities who need to be here experiencing the love we have here. Experiencing the word of God that is preached and taught here and experiencing the presence of God that is moving here. Do you believe that this morning? 
And I say, God, move in such a special way among us that those around us will become curious and they'll start clicking on Facebook or finding us on the website and downloading the sermons or coming and visiting and seeing what God is doing. You see, I believe we should reproduce what God did in the book of Acts. He still wants to do today. There is power for living today. There is power for souls to be saved today. I wrote it down here in my notes. We were using all those technological examples earlier. It's it's this. You're talking about a divine download. I say, God, give us a divine download. Send your power. Download your power. Download your presence upon us again. So see, we need to reproduce unity. We need to reproduce ability. And let me give you one more before I close this morning. We need to reproduce accessibility. Accessibility. Has it really been that many years since legislation was passed requiring certain things to be built like ramps and hallways to be widened? And different codes within buildings to provide what? Accessibility for those who have handicaps. I thank God that that happened. I thank God that, that if we were to ever build anything here or if I were to ever build anything, we, we need to build it so that everybody can access it. Whether they're in a wheelchair or a walker or, or whatever the health ailment may be. But can I tell you that God made the gospel accessible to the whole world on the day of Pentecost. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every country can hear and know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in fact, it should be the very heartbeat of the church that the gospel spread around this globe. You see it in the last part of the passage there in in Acts chapter 2 where all of the people from all the different nations were there and they began to talk among themselves. They couldn't figure out what was going on. And they said, we all hear these men, these uneducated men speaking in our language and they're they're glorifying God and they're praising God and they're, they're giving us the gospel. You see, what did God do that day? He increased accessibility. How does that apply to us? How is that applicable? In many different ways. On a spiritual sense, the Holy Ghost can still fill us and move out of us and cause us to be effective witnesses. On a practical sense, I propose to you as a church that we should do everything humanly possible to make it accessible and make the gospel accessible to the world around us. Whatever that might mean, I believe that we should use that method. If I were a fisherman, which I don't, I like to fish at uh, Harbor Inn and I don't even know where there's a seafood place around here. (laughs) But if I were a fisherman, I would use different kind of baits And different methods of fishing, right? Sometimes if you're fishing a certain fish, you go at night. And sometimes you go at the day. And Isaac was fishing the other day. And I started trying to talk to him. We were walking. And he, shh. I guess I was too loud. I was going to scare the fish away. But you use all kinds of methods to get to the fish. 
Can I tell you that the gospel message cannot be changed and it can't be compromised? But we can use every possible method to get the gospel message out. And if the internet will help us get the gospel message out, then I say, let's put it on the internet. If a podcast will get the gospel out, let's put it on a podcast. If we want to write it down and mail it with a stamped envelope, can I tell you, write it down and mail it in a stamped envelope. Let's use every method possible to make the gospel accessible to the world around us. Can I tell you why we start church at uh, like 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock? It was because of dairy farmers back in the day. And if you've ever been a dairy farmer, you know you're married to the cow. (laughs) And you got to milk that cow. But they did it so that the, the milkers would have enough time to milk in the mornings and then get to church at that time. What did they do? They made it accessible, come on, to the people. But what if society were to change and what if, what if church needed to start at a different time so that more people could get to God's house? Am I preaching all right this morning? I'm just saying, whatever we do, let's have a reason for doing it and let that reason be to make the gospel accessible to the world around us. We're sitting here this morning in, in two straight rows of pews. I love it. I love it. But if there were a hundred people that would come tomorrow and listen to me preach, if I would put uh, chairs in a semicircle, then I'd haul the pews out after church today and I'd make a semicircle and I'd tell those hundred to come so I could preach to them. Is that all right? I know that sounds a little silly, but I'm just saying, whatever it is, let's make the gospel accessible, but let us never compromise the message of the gospel. And I want to close with this. Peter didn't compromise the message of the gospel. If you look and you see what, what Peter's words were, go, just go with me if you don't mind. Acts chapter 2, 37. I'm preaching that the gospel and the Holy Spirit will bring power, ability, unity, accessibility. But it does not bring compromise. We cannot reach the world if we don't preach the true gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't reach the world by by watering down the gospel. But look with me, please, at Acts chapter 2, 37. It says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, I want you to listen. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what must we do to be saved? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Here's the reproduction, verse 39. This promise is to you, to your children, your children's children, to those who are far off, even as many as the Lord thy God shall That's good news for each one of us this morning. Whether I'm from the envelope and stamp generation or I'm from the Snapchat generation, the gospel is for everyone. And if you're sitting here this morning and you know that your life needs a new direction and you know that you need uh, to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and your life to be changed, I have good news for you. This promise is to you. 
The promise of salvation is to you. The promise of the Holy Ghost baptism is for you. Child of God, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, but you say, I need power, I need help, I need ability, I want you to know that the Holy Ghost is still here and He still gives power to His people. He still gives energy. He still edifies. He still comforts. The Holy Ghost is real. And I encourage us as believers to say this morning, Holy Spirit, fall fresh on me and reproduce yourself in me and move in me and move out of me. What happened on that day? Peter got up and preached a, a barn burner of a message. I mean, he, he skinned their hides. But 3,000 souls got saved. I say, God, reproduce it. I say, God, reproduce a church here in Nortonsville that we will not be ashamed to preach the gospel. Reproduce a church here that will not be ashamed of the moving of the Holy Spirit. Reproduce a church here that will do anything and everything possible to reach the lost. And pour out your spirit again. I'm going to grab a cord here and if the praise team would come and grab another cord. Music cord, electrical cord. <laughs> it's not funny if I have to explain it, is it? <laughs> I brought an extension cord this morning. And I hope that the next time you use an extension cord, maybe you'll think about it a little bit. You can tell I don't use it much. You think about it a little bit differently. Let, let, me, let me show you this morning. You guys can go ahead and start playing once ever you, whatever you have is fine. This goes into the wall. Why do we plug this in the wall? Somebody tell me why we plug it in the wall. Power. Does it have any power right now? All it is right now is a jumbled up messed up tangled up and I think I even had a few cobwebs on it wire but I don't know maybe your life feels like this and you say well I feel a little dirty I feel like there's little cobwebs I feel tangled up I feel confused I feel bound up I don't feel useful you might look at this and say, well, I'm not using this extension cord because it's gonna to take too much work and too much bother to, to untangle it. You say, I don't have any power. And maybe that's where your life is this morning. But I wanna tell us this morning that Jesus Christ is still the same. The Holy Spirit, the good Holy Ghost, He is still the same. And what happened on the day of Pentecost can happen for you and for me today. Those people who arrived in that city for the festival, they had no clue what was going to take place, but they heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost convicted their hearts and God changed their lives. And what was a powerless cord was plugged into the power. And there was a live 
wire, power that begin to flow through each of them. Would you stand with me this morning? Where is your cord? Where is your cord? How is your life? Are you trying to live on your own and you're not plugged into God? If you are, I promise you. I promise you. If you're trying to live life on your own, this is what your this is what your life is becoming. Tangled up, messed up, and it's only going to get worse. But I want to tell you that life doesn't have to be this way. And if I drop this, there's no power to it. It just drops to the to the floor. But I but I want to tell you that life doesn't have to be this way. There's still a power who is a person, who is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus Christ Himself and ordained by God. Christian, plug or replug yourself into the power. Wanderer, Go to the back of your garage like I did this morning and find your extension cord and get it cleaned up and get it plugged up and God will help you get untangled. And those that you don't know Jesus Christ, you say, I don't know the Lord. I don't know where I stand with God. I want to tell you that the power outlet, if I can just be symbolic, is open this morning. There's no baby safety plugs that are plugged in blocking the way. Nobody has put a sofa in front of it. There's no tape over it. But Jesus Christ says, come. Come. I'll tell you this morning, plug into the power. Plug into the power. I want to ask you this morning, all over this building, would you just bow your head and close your eyes and would you just search your heart it's still early enough in the, in the day and, and I haven't preached that long. We have time to just take just a moment or two here and, and search your eternal soul. If you were to leave this world today, where would you go? Would you spend eternity with Jesus Christ or would you go to the devil's hell? Were you to get up tomorrow morning, will you be serving the Lord? Will your life have purpose? Will you have meaning? Are you plugged into the power of the Holy Spirit? Are your sins covered by the blood of Jesus and you can find a new life? Where do we stand this morning? It would take me a little while to untangle the cord here this morning, but I want to tell you that God specializes in untangling cords. I want to tell you, He specializes in stretching your cord out. And what will happen is is that tangles will come out and that cord will stretch and it will stretch to somebody else. And you say, well, I can't help anybody else. Oh, yes, you can. Plug into the power of God. Let Him work in you and it will work in someone else. Parents, send it forth to your children. Model the way for your children. Grandparents, Reproduce in your grandchildren. Model the way. Plug into the power. Stretch out your cord. And 
I say, God, corporately, let our cord stretch literally around this world. Let it stretch around this world through missions work and through giving and through praying. And Lord, that souls would be saved all across this world because of the good people here in Simmons Gap Road. Let us plug into your power this morning. I'm going to open this altar if you need to pray. This altar is open for you this morning. You say, I don't know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. This altar is open for you this morning. You say, I've wandered away from Jesus Christ. This altar is open for you this morning. You say, I just feel a little disconnected and I want to I firm up my connection. I want to be grounded in Him. This altar is open for you this morning. You say, Pastor, do I have to come to the altar? No, you can make an altar right where you are. You can kneel right where you are. You can lift your hands right where you are and begin to let God touch you right where you are. But this altar is open if you want to come. And we'll pray with you and pray for you. All over this building, before we leave this house today, can we make sure that we're plugged into the power of the Holy Spirit, that He is charging us he's going to help us reproduce the great work that he has begun. You see, God is moving all around this world. And I say, God, move in my life, move in my church, move in our church, move in our lives. Holy Spirit, you are welcome to do a work. Plug us in to the power of Pentecost. Reproduce in us and through us. I pray. This altar is open. Go ahead and keep praying. I see people praying all over this building. Let's remain in a, 